When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. Matt Miguez here, your Louisiana writer, and there is just a ton of excitement in my voice. I've got a smile on my face that I just can't get off. Uh... We finally did it. We finally climbed the mountain. We finally won our first ever Sunbelt Championship. Uh, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the game itself. And we'll talk about some bowl matchups coming up here in about two weeks. Bowl season will get started. Uh, joining me this week, as he always does, is our Georgia Southern writer, Mr. Brian Stone. What's going on, man? Uh, not much. You you got to be on cloud nine, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so Saturday was was interesting because usually I don't have a whole lot of time to tailgate um, because of the, the UL podcast that I host. We do pregame stuff and whatnot. So I usually don't get to the field till about an hour and a half before kickoff. Um, and Sorry, I'm, 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 I see the Patriots game over your shoulder. They just busted off a long touchdown run, so I'm... And they're playing in the, like the weather's ridiculous, ridiculous. <laughs> um, Sorry, you, anyway, the, the opening, ahead. the opening kickoff went into the bleachers. Yeah, I think Damian Harris just ran like sixty yeah. yards for a Six, touchdown. But 60, yeah. Sixty-four. Okay. Um, but yeah, so Saturday it, it was crazy because we did all the pregame stuff beforehand, mm-hmm. and then just aired it. You know, Thursday, Friday, whatever it was. Um, so Saturday, I had nothing to do. So I got out to Cajun Field about 9.15 Saturday morning and tailgated my ass off. And I had a blast. Yeah, yeah for sure. And then, you know, you go into the game and you, you, I work, I worked the game for Underdog Dynasty. So I got to hang out in the press box, watch the game from up there. Man, it, I, I don't know. I, I'm still having trouble putting it into words. What, what happened Saturday night? Well, I mean, do you want to jump right into it? Or? Yeah, I mean, we, we can. Okay. Uh, Louisiana defeated App State 24-16 to in the Sunbelt Championship game on Saturday behind a pretty dominant performance by the Cajuns' rushing game and the Cajuns' defense. Uh, the, the big thing that stood out to me was the, the 56-yard touchdown run in the second quarter by Levi Lewis. Uh, w- what happened was it was just a simple... He actually dropped back to pass, and all of his receivers were well covered by the secondary, but nobody ran a spy on him. So he just, when his pocket collapsed, he just shot up the middle and ran it all the way to the house. I mean, it was it was it was pretty it was pretty simple. Um, really, talking about the Cajuns' defense, the only play where they really failed was the Cam Peoples 43-yard touchdown run about seven minutes after Levi's. But what happened there was Cam got the ball. One of our linebackers played his gap pretty well. But uh, Peoples is just so agile and elusive that he he caught our linebacker flat-footed. And then from there, he just caught the, he caught the edge. And one, once he catches the edge, you're not catching him. Yeah. Can it can I just okay, so after a couple weeks in a row of being Jekyll, we got the Chase Bryce Hyde performance. Yeah. Uh yeah, we did. Twelve of thirty, one nineteen, one touchdown. He ran for fifty three yards, but God which annoys through me. the air. Which annoys me because the dude is so damn lanky. Yeah. And he's so slow. Like no no offense. The kid's slow. 
he should not have ran for 50-plus yards on our offense. I mean, on our defense. It was yeah. bad. But, I mean, again, it, it was simple. You know, the defense played well. They put pressure on him. We blitzed. And he he just made the right decisions and, and found the gaps. Um, But, no, I mean, I, I think App gave it everything they had. Um, outside of the, the Chase Bryce performance, App didn't play horribly. Uh, I mean, Cam Peoples had a good game. Nate Noel ran the ball well. Um, their defense did, God, everything you asked them to. It just, at, at the end of the day, in 2021, Louisiana is just a better team. Yeah, Louisiana is is a more complete team. And, I mean, they just flat have better coaching as well. I mean, look, one of one of the coaches in this game is going to take an SEC East job. The other one is probably never going to sniff an SEC caliber job as a head coach. I mean, let's, nope. let's just be fair. So, I mean, I don't think it's that big of a stretch to say that Louisiana easily had the better coaching staff in this one. Uh, like you said, your defense kind of just was like a boa constrictor that just kept like tightening and tightening and tightening. And then all of a sudden it was just like app app scored with like five minutes left, but they were just, it just didn't have it. Yeah. Okay. Let me, ask, let me ask you this from an outsider perspective. Um, I'm sure you watched the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, from, from an outsider, why do you think App went for two there late in the game? Um, Did that decision make sense to you? Because it didn't make sense to me. Let me. I need to look back at the the box score because I, I was like, so there is a corner, and I don't know if Sean Clark subscribes to this. There is a corner, at least of Twitter that advocates that if you're down 14, you always go for two on your initial score. And I think the reasoning that I've heard is it's a, the reasoning that I've heard is it's a win-win, right? Because I'm not saying I agree with this, but this is the reasoning that I've heard. It's a win-win because if you don't get it, you still need eight, but if you do get it, you only need the touchdown and the extra point and you've got a one point lead. That's the reasoning that I've heard like people make on Twitter. If you're down by 14, you go for two, you don't get it. You're still only down eight and you need the two point regardless. You do get it. Then you're down six. You're in the driver's seat. If you score a touchdown or if there's enough time left, you kick two field goals and tie it. Yeah. So I get that's the, that's the reasoning I've heard. So I guess if you're going to try to win it out, right, you got to go for two at some point anyway in that scenario. Right. And they didn't get it. So in theory, if they had, if they had secured another, Enough, enough time then, to get the ball back. Right. Right. Then they just go for two and tie it. Right. In theory, okay. If they get it. Okay. Now, you, now that you say it that way, it makes sense. But I, I had never thought about it like that before. And then there was some game. It was some NFL game last year. I think it was like a playoff game or something. And, and they, a team did that. And, and someone wrote out like the whole line of thinking behind it. And I was like, you know, I've never really thought about it. And then even in the, the like thread on Twitter, people were like, this is a completely new like line of thought. Like no one would have done this like five years ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's an analytics thing. Yeah. It's gotta be, but there are still, I I mean, I I find it interesting that, that Clark subscribes to that line of thinking. There are a lot of old school football guys who will still look at a 14 point deficit and go, we're getting seven and seven boys. Right. So I, I think it's interesting that like he, he subscribes to that new like analytical type of coaching. So man, DeMarco Jackson. He's a, he's a stud. Yeah. He's a stud. 11 yeah. tackles, one sack, three and a half of his tackles were tackles for loss. I mean, he, he had four quarterback hurries on the night. Just absolute unreal. Uh, kind of player, and he definitely deserved being Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. I mean, sure. 103 tackles, how do you argue that? Yeah. Any, anytime a guy gets triple-digit tackles, you can go ahead and give him the Defensive Player of the Year award. Yeah. Um, so, let me ask you this question, and I'm going to drop before we move on, I want to drop uh, I guess a hot take. It's a take on okay. you about 2022. Okay. So, let me ask you this first question before I drop my take. Chase Bryce has announced he's returning mm-hmm. for next year. 
do you think that's a good thing for Ab? Yes, like, I do. He's he's going to have less receiving help than he has so this year. So like in theory, it's like the. T- I know that you guys, I mean, again, I, I mean, no offense when I say this, you guys aren't going to be the same team next year as you were this year. Absolutely. So, the, but the two games where he looked truly, truly awful were both times that he played y'all. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just wondering, like, pluses and minuses from this year to next, do you think it's a plus that he's returning or should they make it an open competition in camp? Like, how do you think they should handle kind of that? Because he seems to be good, but not good enough. You know, you know what I mean? To like, he's not going to win you. It seems like he's not going to win you a title without significant help from the rest of the team. And it's not going to get easier with the guys I mean, that are leaving for them. Th- th- this year was kind of trial by fire for him. But I mean, all I heard was Clem. You know, Clemson former well, backup and, and, to Trevor and that's, Lawrence. And that's all like, you're going to okay. hear because he was the former backup to Trevor Lawrence, right? But I mean, the, Chase Bryce still had three thousand yards and twenty three touchdowns on the year. No, I I agree, but I'm I'm saying like, how, what percentage of that do you think do you attribute to the fact that At was so well built around him that they could insulate him and say? If he makes this, because we, I mean, I had been saying this for weeks. He picked the worst teams in the Sun Belt to have his bad games against. Right. So you never really noticed it because it never showed up on the final scoreline. But then the two times he plays y'all when it matters, they get their only conference loss the first time, and then they lose the Sun Belt championship the second time. Right now, yeah. I mean, I, I guess what would what would be the determining factor is what they have behind him. Like what, See, I would just who's, I would keep, who else I would is in the, the quarterback room? Open. I would keep the position competition open in camp. I'd be like, let's just see yeah. what let's just see what we have. Yeah, because you don't know until you try. And it's like, again, is he good enough to win you a Sun Belt title? Like Zach Thomas has done it. Taylor Lamb so, did it. So it's is, like, is it? But know. you see, here's the other thing that I've heard, and I've heard this even from App fans. Is it really Chase Bryce? Or is it Sean Clark? Well, I don't know because that's a dangerous because the jury's because the Clark. jury's the jury's still out on Sean Clark, right? But you're locked into Clark. No one's going to fire a head coach coming off of a conference title game appearance well, when you when you lost what? Well, how many games did they lose this year? Two? Three in total. Well, three if you count the title game. Yeah, right. So. I mean, love him or hate him, you may think he doesn't have it and he's not a Satterfield or Drinkwitz. You're locked into him. Like, he's not going anywhere. Like, it's not. He's going to have to get to a point where he's 500 or worse for you to cut ties, and it ain't going to happen this offseason. So someone's got to figure it out. Yeah. um, The the, the best thing I can tell app app fans is that you you got nine months to figure it out. You do, because, and, and like I said, but if Chase Bryce is your best option at quarterback, I just, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, I'd, I'd, I don't necessarily disagree. However, I, I believe that 2021 showed that there's a lot to build on with Chase Bryce. There's a lot of potential there. That's the problem, too, though, is like, I just don't know because he... I mean, I I don't know how many of their receivers are leaving after this year. I don't know what the, the COVID protocol year Hinnig- was. Hennigan's gone. Um, I know that Hennigan's gone. He was a he was a redshirt senior. Uh, Corey Sutton is listed as a senior. But that's the problem now. Is like you don't know, right? You don't know what you don't what. know. You don't know how the COVID year is going to be exercised. So it's right. like. I have no I have no clue. Malik Williams is a senior and Mike Evans is listed as a senior. Um, so I, I mean that's that's just mostly my issue is like if they don't return all this production that they had this year and it still wasn't enough, like what is another year with less experience coming back gonna do? Right. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. you. Okay, I want to go ahead and I'll just go ahead. Yeah, what's your take? My take is at this point, a lot still could change. 
at this point, I think Coastal's going to cakewalk to a title next year. Yeah. And I know you don't like hearing that, but they, I, don't, they're just, I don't disagree. All with you. of their impact players, like Grace McCall, especially, is just so young. Shamari like Jones. So many teams are hitting the reset button at quarterback, or you're, or you have their, their defense. Their defense is going to be a question mark, though. You lose Silas Kelly, sure. you lose Teddy Gallagher, you do get the Jordan Strong back, so that's big. Mm-hmm. Um. And then I, I want to say, is, is it Taron Jackson? No, C.J. Brewer is on their D. Taron Jackson left after last year, but C.J. Brewer was still on their line this year. So, I mean, he's going to be gone also. So they've got a lot of places. They've got a lot of holes to fill on defense. But from an offensive standpoint, outside of Javon Haley, um, you're just going to keep rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for a while there, I really thought Jamie Chadwell would end up at Virginia Tech. Well, that Virginia job opened up. Yeah, I, I'd keep an eye out for that. Chad yeah. D- Chadwell could end up in uh, at Virginia, or whoever. If if a, if one of the lower Duke is available, I don't know that he yeah. would want to go to Duke, uh, but it's there. I mean, maybe. Uh, I guess I guess you could consider that a lateral move. If a lower tier Power Five team. Like a Virginia, for example, like I'm obviously they don't have or, a coach or but Duke or if one of those types of teams coach leaves to go to Oregon, oh. he could assume that job as yeah. well. Like whatever job that ends yeah. up being there. There's a there's a lot still up in the air for Coastal. There is. I just get the vibe that like he's kind of like Napier and is like just waiting for the right fit. And yeah. but, but the difference hell, is that like, that move paid off, didn't it? Right. Good yeah. God. But I, I just get the vibe. He's like, he's like Napier. He's waiting for the right fit. Yep. But also there's it, right now, there's no pressure on him to leave because he's got his quarterback for another, what? Two years. Year or two. Yep. Grayson's only a sophomore. Yeah. I mean, he, technically Grayson could leave after next year. Well, right. For the draft. But if he doesn't have like a stellar time, year. Yeah. Cause this year with him being hurt, I mean, he, he still had a great year. I mean, he won all, he won Player of the Year, so I mean, he still had a great year. But you know, in, in the eyes of the NFL scouts, if he doesn't turn in huge numbers, it's not it's not going to be time. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there there's still there's still a ton of question marks around the Coastal program. If Ch- that's my too early take, is but I, I don't I don't disagree with you. I mean, if Chadwell doesn't leave and, um, you know, they don't have these giant sweeping changes, I th- think it's pretty easy to see them just walking to, like, the title and, next year. you know, this, this, is, this is a take I'll give you, and it's about Louisiana. So I agree with you. We're not going to be the same team that we were or that we are. Um, however, our floor being the worst we could do, Next year is eight and four. We're still going to be yeah. an eight nine win team. We're still going to win I, the West. I mean, yeah, you're going to win the West, but it, it, I think. So it, hold on. The other question is: Is Marshall's going to join next year? Right. That's that's what we're hearing. Yeah. So are they going to be a West team or an East team? They would be in the East. Okay. So Marshall. Um, yeah. So of of the four joining, Marshall, James Madison, and Old Dominion will be in the East. Southern Miss is going to join the West, and Troy's going to become West. Right. And that's as how it's it going to be. As split. it should have been from the start. Well, right. So that's how it's going to be. The seven and seven. Troy would come to the West with Southern Miss, and then you guys would get the other three new ones in the right. East. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think you guys are going to win the West. However, I will say you just never know how someone's going to transition into being a head coach. Yeah. Like you just don't, uh, there's so many unknowns, like with that whole transition process, who, what, did, I'm sorry. What did you say? The name of the, the guy was that you guys, Mike Desarmo. Okay. I've just seen so many 
coaches oh, that yeah. like it, yeah, it's everything a, looked like it was lined up to succeed and then it just something wasn't there. It, it, it's an I mean? it's a nerve wracking situation, especially with uh with Napier announcing today that Patrick Tony, Jabbar Jaluk, Mark Hockey, and Ryan O'Hara are all gonna be joining him in Gainesville. Mm-hmm. Um so now we're left to replace a defensive coordinator, a quarterback's coach, a running back's coach, and our strength and conditioning coach. Mm-hmm. So we've got a lot of holes to fill. The The biggest thing about the, the transitional process for promoting from within is it's going to come down to who he puts around him. Yep. Um, I agree. If you don't get a good DC or, you know, a good running backs coach, especially with the running backs that we have, you need a good running backs coach. Mm-hmm. Um. Because if you don't make the right hire there, you know, a, a guy like Montreal Johnson, who's only a freshman, who balled out. I mean, dude, we have a three back room and the kid still had 800 yards on the year. Yes. Imagine the kind of numbers he's putting up if he's the primary back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if you don't make the right hire, he might call coach Jaluk and say, hey, you got room for me in Gainesville? Yeah, I mean, I've seen firsthand what happens when you have a really really good running back and then you replace the running backs coach with someone incompetent uh and then the case that i'm talking about is matt Breida, where Breida was lighting it up under willie fritz and then all of a sudden summers comes in and no, none of his staff had any clue what they were doing around a football and Breida goes from like a mid round pick, I'd say um, he would probably have been fourth, fifth round to an undrafted free agent. So, I mean, yeah, I've seen, I've definitely seen what, what happens when you completely stunt a guy's growth by just having no clue what you're doing around him. And and that's always tough to watch. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Um, should we get into the bowl matchups? Well, Yes, but while we're on hiring talk, should we should we talk about Troy's new head coach? I don't know anything about the guy, to be totally honest with me, you. Me neither. I know he was I at Kentucky. He, I knew he was an assistant at Troy, and apparently during their last game, someone someone claimed that the, uh, the fans were chanting his name in the stands. Like they wanted him to come in and be their next head coach. And I was like, I don't even know who this is. Yeah, I know. I know he played at Troy. I know he was an assistant at Kentucky. That's all I know. That's no, I know it was the, the other guy. way around. He played at Kentucky, was an assistant at Troy. Oh, okay. I thought it was. So the, where, did, where did he come from? Where was he coaching? See, I don't. That, hold on. He so, had to have been coaching while somewhere. I'm, while I'm trying to find this, he coached linebackers and special teams at Troy uh, under Neil Brown from 2015 to 2017. Right. He is Kentucky's co-defensive coordinators. Okay, okay so, so he was Kentucky. Okay, yeah. So you were you were right. He he came from Kentucky, but yeah. So he had a history at Troy. Worked under Neil Brown when they were really solid. So I don't know. They they went offense with the Chip Lindsey hire. That didn't work. They're just flipping to the other side of the ball, going defense. Yep. I mean, which is interesting because their issues lied on offense this year. Their defense yep. was still was solid. So it's like it really comes down to the offensive coordinator hire because their their defense was good. They just they had an offensive minded head coach who couldn't score points. Yep. So so it's interesting how that dynamic's gonna work. Um Yeah, I mean Troy's Troy's program is one where you know, they have a history of success. They have a fan base that's behind the team. So I guess what it comes down to, and I don't know the ins and outs of Troy's program, but I guess what it comes down to is, does the administration have the commitment to the program like everybody else does? Because nowadays, if you don't, if you don't have the financial commitment to the program, you'll never succeed. Yeah, you'll never succeed. Um, yeah. So I, I guess, uh, I guess that's the big question mark is what, what's the, what's the investment commitment level from the administration? Yeah. 
I mean, it, you know, it remains to be seen, but they, they got a guy who had some, some history with the program. Um, I mean, from, from what I've read, Troy fans are happy with the hire. They wanted this guy. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll see how that, that plays out. But like I said, the interesting thing is they, they struggled on offense with an offensive minded head coach and had a really good defense. So we'll see, we'll see how that all shakes out next year. So four Sunbelt teams are going bowling. Mm -hmm. Um, the first one is going to be coastal Carolina. They're playing in the tail greeter cure bowl. Uh, Friday, December 17th, 5 p.m. ESPN 2. They will play 9-4 and four Northern Illinois from the MAC. Uh, Coastal is a 10-point favorite currently uh, with an over-under of 63.5. So clearly, look, by looking at the numbers, both teams know how to score. Yeah. I mean, so Northern, Northern Illinois scoring 32 points a game. Coastal scoring 40. So Northern Illinois quarterback is a uh, Michigan state transfer Rocky Lombardi. Mm-hmm. And I find it interesting that they were so good this year because I don't watch a lot of Northern Illinois just up front. Well, obviously I don't have any interest. I don't have any right. uh, interests or, or anything in the max. So, but he, he threw 13 touchdowns to eight picks this year, which is not great. Uh, he completed like less than sixty percent of his passes, and then the, but but the other side of that is the one game that I watched them play. They played, I think it was Western Michigan, um, like right before Thanksgiving, and they looked awful without him. Like they legitimately looked awful without him. So he came back for the MAC championship. They won the MAC. Um, the interesting thing in this game to me comes from what is Coastal's mindset coming into this because they kind of limped through the end of the regular season a little bit and they they clearly like were a little deflated that they didn't have a chance to make the Sun Belt title game. I'm interested to see how they kind of view this game. Do, do they get up for it and show everybody that they, you know, they, they don't consider this a lost season or do they just kind of go, eh, who cares? And yep. just... Because, I mean, they kind of did the same thing, you know, with Liberty last year where it was like, oh, they should beat Liberty pretty handily and then they get upset. So it's like, I I don't know. I I think I'll take Northern Illinois plus 10. I think 10 is a lot of points. I think this one might be close. I agree with you. I'm going to take us. That's that's me saying I don't know anything about Northern Illinois. Right. Right. Other than they had a, a, a huge amount of transfers come in this year, and Rocky Lombardi was one of those. But again, it, it's so weird because his stats don't bear out why they scored so many points on offense. Right. Yeah, that game will be interesting. Like, like I, I agree with you. I don't know anything about Northern Illinois. Um, I do know that I do not want Coastal Carolina to win. So, go Huskies. And Northern Illinois' leading rusher had over 1,000 yards but only three touchdowns on the ground this year. So where did the points come from? Right, <laughs> right. Did, <laughs> they, did, did, they did the running back touchdowns. did the running back get him down to the one, and then you just ran a slant route? Like, but but he only threw thirteen touchdowns. They had sixteen combined touchdowns between their leading rusher and their quarterback. So where did the where did the thirty points per game come from? <laughs> do they do they force a lot of turnovers? Like, uh, I'm I'm just scrolling through I mean, their is, stats. Is there right is now. there a lot of defensive touchdowns for the Huskies? So it looks like they had a power back who was a short yardage specialist who had 12 touchdowns on the ground. Uh, oh, so they get it, they get had, it down to the one and they hand it to the fullback. Yeah. That's what had, it is. He had less than 100 carries this year, but he had 12, 12 touchdowns. touchdowns. Hey, talk about efficiency. <laughs> yeah. Talk about efficiency. So, oh, so he's that guy. Okay, so when I watched them play Western Michigan that mm-hmm. night before uh, Thanksgiving – they handed it to this big beefy dude and he ran 96 yards for a touchdown. That's that guy. So he's got oh. some jets if he needs it. What? His name's Rat Ratkovic. 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 Interesting. But but yeah, I mean he they've got some they've got a good stable of running backs. I think Coastal's gonna need to make Lombardi put it in the air to beat them, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think they keep it within the ten. I don't I don't know that Coastal's gonna be out for blood in this one. They might just be like, eh, whatever. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Huskies plus 10, in my opinion. 
Saturday, December 18th, you got two games. Uh, at 10 a.m. on ESPN, you've got the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl uh, between App State and Western Kentucky. Um, App State minus two and a half with an over-under of 68. This game's on too early for these players. I mean, <laughs> like, like Western Kentucky is on central time. And this is a 10 a.m. kick for them. Like, so they're going to be eating eggs, like, on the sideline between plays, like, getting ready for this one. Right. Uh, and the, and then not I, to mention, they're in one of the biggest party towns in America in Boca Raton. Right. So we'll see how that goes. I think At wins this one by by more than two and a half. Um, I, I don't think a lot of... You see Conference USA's teams outside of UTSA. So watch watch this matchup. So App's defense is only allowing nineteen point three points a game. Western scores forty three a game. So so, so who prevails the there? I have. So here's the question I have for you, or maybe maybe it's not you, but it's just like whoever wants to answer this. So. WKU had two offensive coordinators mm-hmm. this year. They had Brian Ellis, who Georgia Southern hired as their offensive coordinator. And then they had Zach Kitley, who just got hired by Texas Tech as an offensive coordinator. I think both of these guys have moved on. Who's calling the plays? Right. right. Is, is it <laughs> is their it head Tyson coach? Helton? Right. The head coach? Because I'm like, I, I don't understand, like, wh- where are the plays coming well, from? I mean, that's like, who's, that Billy Napier's been calling our plays for four years now. Right, but you guys didn't have like if you guys had an o, an OC move on. I, I don't know. It's weird. They they had two OCs. Now they have zero, and it's like right. who's call who's, who's calling the plays? Who, like, who's who's running the offense? Right. Because it's like both of those coaches were announced, and I gotta imagine it's either Tyson Helton or it's a quarterbacks coach or somebody got elevated. So, and is now calling the plays for this one. Here here's an interesting question, and I I find it to be suicide. But you might disagree. So Billy Napier has already been introduced as the head coach of Florida. Mm-hmm. He was introduced yesterday. Um, Florida does have a bowl game to play in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Is it suicide for Billy Napier to say, "I want to coach it"? Yeah, I actually, I, I think I had this talk with uh, Zeke one week when you were out. It, it's actually not. He actually can't. Like, it's not allowed. Oh, um, really? Interesting. Yeah, because NCAA rules dictate, I think you can only have 14 coaches on a staff at once or something like that, like on-field guys. Right. And I imagine when Dan Mullen got fired, they filled that with, like, a GA or an analyst or something like that to take his spot. And he Zeke asked me this question about Clay Helton, which is why I, I know this, because I looked it up. But it's like, Clay Helton couldn't coach a game because they had they, promoted they had already GA, promoted right right to take the spot that Lunsford left behind and okay. also I mean what what plays would Napier call like he's like I don't have time right I don't, I don't know I don't know Dan Mullen's playbook or maybe he does I don't know I mean maybe he does yeah I don't, I don't know He'd probably call a better game than Dan Mullen would at this point all things being equal all, all I'm saying is this Billy Napier's offensive genius with a kid like Anthony Richardson at quarterback. He's, Look out. Just the fact that they're not going to try to stick Emory Jones out there every single time. Look, look out is all I'm saying. <laughs> also, I mean, uh, I mean they don't they don't call that kid they don't call that kid AR15 for nothing. Well, the, the, it also trips me out every time I see someone wearing number 15 for the Gators and I'm like, why is that allowed? Right. Right, <laughs> like, how is that number not retired? Right, right. Unreal. It's like one of the greatest well, that's court, like, college quarterbacks of all time. Well, that's like that's like Levi Lewis. Um, he actually, so I don't, I don't know if you're familiar, but Brian Mitchell uh, played quarterback for the Cajuns in the '90s, late '80s, early '90s, um, and he was a he was a mobile quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, he ended up making a career in the NFL as a kick returner. Mm-hmm. Um, and his numbers retired by the university, blah, blah, blah. Well, he wore number one. So Levi becomes the starter and he wore number one in high school. So he calls Brian Mitchell and asks if he can wear it. Brian Mitchell gives him permission and 
now Levi holds the school record for most touchdown passes in a career. So now people are like, well, how do we do this? You can't retire it now. How, how do we, how do we re-retire? You can't, you can't retire it now. Like now it's just whoever, like you can do it like LSU where it's like, you have to be special to wear number seven at right. LSU. You know what I mean? Or like number 18. Like Tyron Matthew or Patrick Peterson or right. somebody like that or Fournette. But yeah. like, you can do it like that, but you can't retire it now that someone's worn it after the retirement. Like it's just, now it's just out there. Wait, is that a thing? Oh no. I'm just saying, I'm just saying like ethically. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. You right. can't do that. Like, because it, it doesn't make any sense. Cause the next guy's going to come and go, well, I know Levi was good, but no one knew that when he put the number on. Right. Right. You know what I mean? So, but anyway, getting back to this game, we got way off track there. Uh, I think track. app is I think app is much better than Western Kentucky. I think yeah, outside I of UTSA, Conference USA didn't impress me at all this year. So I think I think why, they're gonna why, why would it? I think they're gonna blow out Western Kentucky. I think so too. I I don't think Western Kentucky's defense is well, so bad. I don't know. It it depends. It depends on which Chase Bryce shows up. I don't think it matters. I think they can run the ball almost every down and still beat Western. I think even that would play into it because it's like they can run the ball every t- every down and keep Bailey Zappi off the field. And at the same time, Western Kentucky's defense is so bad. Yeah. Like they're so bad. I, I, th- I, I don't – if it, this is almost a game where it's like if App gets two stops, they win by two touchdowns. I mean, it just Western Kentucky can't stop anybody. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't disagree. Uh, I think App, App wins big. Uh, and then the nightcap in that one, eight fifteen on ESPN, number twenty three, Louisiana, and Marshall in the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Uh, Louisiana is a six point favorite with an over under in this game of fifty three. Uh, Cajuns roll. Yeah, I think you guys win this game uh, fairly easy. I think the one thing, and again, you guys shut down apps running attack for the most part. So, you know, this will just be another day at the office. But uh, Rasheen Ali, the freshman running back for Marshall, is nasty. Uh, 1,200 yards, 20 touchdowns on the ground this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you can shut down the, the, the running and, and game and, and force them to throw the ball, I, I, I like your chances for but sure. You, but you know, what's sad. The kid had 1200 yards and 20 touchdowns and yet they still only won seven games. Well, Grant Wells isn't very good. I mean, he threw for 3,500 yards. I mean, 16 touchdowns, 12 picks. Well, uh, yeah, the, the touchdown pick and ratio is not great. You can't, ha- you can't have nearly a one-to-one yeah, that, <laughs> that's not That's not great. <laughs> um, I mean, the, uh, the other thing is their defense was, I remember last year, was pretty good, and they've kind of taken a step back as well. I mean, they're allowing 189 rushing yards a game to opposing teams. Hey, that's great for us. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's but great for us. I'm just saying, like, their defense was very, very good last year, and this year it's not been as good. And also, Grant Wells has regressed from being a freshman, which is weird. Right. Yeah. Um, like like I said, Louisiana wins by at least two touchdowns. Welcome to the Sun Belt, Marshall. <laughs> no kidding. And then the last game, the last Sun Belt Bowl game, Christmas Day, 1.30 p.m. in the Tax Act Camellia Bowl, Georgia State, Ball State. Um <laughs> Who did Georgia State piss off to get a Christmas bowl game? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't really know much, much about either team to to make a solid prediction on this. I mean, I know Tucker Gregg had a pretty good year at running back for for the Panthers, uh, and Darren Granger was okay. Um, Give me the over. I know the over's that- fifty. I know that the line is minus four and a half and the over under is 50. Yeah. I, I would take the over there. Give me the over. Both of these defenses are not good. Uh, Georgia state gives up 405 total yards a game. Ball state gives up 415, and they both give up almost 28 points a game. Yeah. Jesus. How is the over only 50? Jesus. And wh- hold on. Where, where is the camellia bowl held? That is Montgomery. Oh, okay. I was worried about it being cold for a second. I was like, no. what's the deal? Is they, Are they worried about bad weather? But no. Give me the, I mean, give me the over. 
I I think you could flip a coin on this one. I guess I guess I'd pick Georgia State, but I don't because I don't know anything about Ball State. But neither one of these defenses are good, so give me the over fifty. I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, this might be one of those that hits the over by half times. Oh yeah, like I could see it like twenty. 28 24 at half. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. If Christmas Day NBA ball is not entertaining, then I might turn this game on. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's a tradition in my family that Thanksgiving you watch the NFL, Christmas Day you watch the NBA. Like, it's just, it's how we've always done it. Thanksgiving, Um, you or uh, Christmas, you watch LeBron cry to the refs, (laughs) (laughs) and then the and then the Pelicans become you know horribly average. Well, Zion's real fat, (laughs) which which angers me. Oh my god! Like, okay, I I don't I don't understand what it's like to be a twenty year old superstar. Like, I don't. But however, from from a from a pers- from my perspective, show up to the gym, stay in shape, score points. I'm not saying this is a talent thing. This is this is not a talent analogy, but he's almost going the Jamarcus Russell route, where he's going to be too fat to play NBA basketball, like, which like, is kind of crazy to think about. It's like it's like I can remember very vividly being. And not even as an LSU fan, just as a football fan in general, being very angry at Tyron Matthew when he got kicked off the team at LSU for failing three drug tests. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, how hard is it to stay out of trouble? Not only are they paying for you to go to school, but you're getting paid on the side. Right. And all you have to do is not act stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, it really can't be that hard. It is for some people, for some reason. Like it, it, It's always blown my mind. Blown my mind. And, and again, you know, I don't, I don't know what it's like to be a, a first overall pick and make millions of dollars at 20 years old. I'm 24 and still in college. However. Yeah, man, but that Raisin Cane sauce is so good. <laughs> that Texas toast. Mwah. <laughs> Chef's kiss. <laughs> Chef's kiss. That, yeah. Right. right. That cane sauce is so good. <laughs> Just can't lay off of it. I had canes last night. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, just how, how is the guy, and everybody's like, well, you know, Zion was always big. You're not wrong. However, the guy has gained 30 pounds since draft day. And it ain't muscle. Like something's just not right. It's not. I just I don't understand. He's don't. gonna have to be a vegan at some point, probably. <laughs> All right. Well, we're getting off track here. That's gonna do it for this episode of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. Brian, before you go, man, tell everybody where they can find you on social media. Wait a second. Before I do that. No. Does that does this do it for the year? Because well, I don't think we're gonna do a, a recap episode after Christmas. This is it, man. We have f- there's four bowl games. Are we? We're not gonna come back every week and and do recaps of like one game. You know what I mean? We're not coming back on the nineteenth and doing three games and dipping out <laughs> again. So I think we, this we is could it. do we could do like a bowl recap after Christmas. But by that point, some of these games are going to be cold and dead in the ground. Like no one's going to be interested to hear. Like, what is what is your recap of Northern Illinois Coastal? Like thirteen days after it happens. <laughs> I think this is it, man. I don't want it to be the last one. This is the Thelma and Louise. We're driving off the cliff here. Jesus Christ! <laughs> driving off the cliff. Well, the cliff of the season. It's it's done. And falling into what abyss? <laughs> the abyss that the is the off season. The off season abyss. <laughs> Good Get God. ready for for some sick transfer okay. portal news. Well, well, that's. You know how active our transfer portal is about to be. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it will be. I know. I know it will be. I know it will be. I hate it. I hate it. 
yeah, man, this this is it. But hey, I'm I'm a Gator fan now, so <laughs> it's it's all good. So check in with Matt on the next season of the SEC podcast. <laughs> I believe it or not, I'm actually being interviewed on a Florida Gators podcast here in about an hour. So. You know, you, you know, the fun thing about being a Georgia Southern fan is no one's ever going to ask you to interview because uh, all of our coaches are in the bread line. <laughs> For those that can't see, like I can, Matt's laughing so hard he had to mute the mic. <laughs> so, uh, Brian, do you think Tyson Summers has seen any good movies lately? Oh, my God. No. <laughs> what do you think? How do you think Chad Lunsford likes his pasta cooked? Al dente. Al dente? <laughs> he likes that Olive Garden special. They're like, what podcast is this kid? Oh, we're catching up with with fail with uh, uh, bloggers who covered failed head coaches. Okay. Where where are they now? FBS yeah. football coaches on Twitter. That's where they are. <laughs> Oh, my God. Well, that's going to do it for another season of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt podcast. Brian, man, it's been a pleasure. Um, This was year two that we have done it together. Can I say, and and I'm not trying to get sentimental, this more speaks to how I viewed this season. This podcast was the most enjoyable part of the college football season for me. That's because he likes me. Well, also the fact that I cheer for three and nine football team. <laughs> hey, 12 and one. Sunbelt chance, baby. That's all I'm saying. When your coach is fired after week four. God, was it that early? It was, it was, game, it was after game four. Oh, so you, oh yeah. You it was, it was like after us, weeks. wasn't it? Yeah. It was you after us. Sit another eight weeks knowing that like, for the next two months, you have to come on and like someone's going to ask you your take on a game and you're just going to go, we lose. What right. do you want me to go into further detail about how we lose? Like, what do you, what do you want me to say? Right. Yeah. Do, we, do, we, do we need to talk about how badly we lose or? Oh, oh, it, I mean, if you go back and read like some of my previews for like later games in the season, I literally would point out like I have to fill space. So I guess I will write some things here. Oh no. Because I was like, I was getting to the point where I was like, I'm rehashing the same points every week. Nothing's changed. Nothing's getting better. It's not even really getting worse. It's just like the same. Like, I don't, we, we have nothing to hang our hat on. So I'm like, right. What do you want me to say? Also off topic. But, uh, if you're a USC fan, check out my guy, Dustin Poirier, Lafayette native, uh, fighting for the lightweight title this Saturday. Okay. UFC 269. So. But yeah, uh, just to sign off, um, for those who, who care, I essentially eliminated Matt from our fantasy football playoffs with his with his drubbing. Uh, <laughs> but you can find me on Twitter at Watch the Stone. We opened this season with Matt going over his win over me. We close it with the natural order of things being restored. Louisiana's in the Sunbelt Championship game. Matt's out of the fantasy football playoffs. <laughs> I'm out in both of my legs. <laughs> this, this year's been horrible. It's it, so it's been great for the Cajuns, and I love it. You know, you, you can't get better than that. But both of my fantasy leagues, like, okay, you, I would you, I would rather my real football, my real college football team, be good. I would take all the L's in the world in fantasy football if Georgia Southern was good again. So I am, uh, I have a game right now that I'm playing. I am down 20. Okay. But Josh Allen is my quarterback. So if he can get it together, you know, I'll be all right. But, um, and then yeah, you, you absolutely ripped me limb from limb. Um, that's, that's just sad. So I'm now going to be six and seven on a three game losing streak. <laughs> and uh, I suppose order is restored. Um, by the way, commissioner, I want my $50 back. Well, I would give it to you, but you drafted Mr. IBS himself, Lamar Jackson. 
who seems to get he gets sick every week because he keeps pooping his pants. And I thought that was such a good pickup. I thought that I would be solid because you know for his entire career so far, Lamar has consistently been you know a 20, 25 points a week kind of guy where he occasionally pops off for thirty five points. You know, apparently he eats shrimp Alfredo but, every day. God. And then how, how, how do you hype up Rashad Bateman? And then you never even give him the ball. I played the guy. I listened to John Harbaugh. I listened to Lamar Jackson. I play this kid. They literally targeted him one time and he didn't catch the ball against a horrible defense. Pittsburgh is not good. Look, you got me standing on my soapbox, Brian. <laughs> God, I'll, I'll I'll hire uh Dallas Goddard to be one of your Paul Bears at your funeral. He can, he can since he carried you to the grave. Football. <laughs> and you want to know something? You want to know something? And this is the last remark I'm going to make about fantasy football. Do you, you? Yeah, Dallas Goddard carried me to the grave with his 25 points. Don't forget Chris Godwin and Sony Michelle. Um, and Jonathan Taylor. And did, did anybody else just kick me in the ass? Oh, yeah, your kicker with 15. <laughs> what? Any Any, baby. Anyways, in my other league, I have Dallas Goddard. So you call it the good with the bad. Except you're down 20. Except I left Dallas Goddard on the bench. Oh, that's tough. Yeah, you can't do that. Oh, God. I played <laughs> Tyler Higby. <laughs> he only got nine points. So, whoops. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on social media at Miguez Matt with two M's. You can also, if you're interested, you can check out my UL podcast at Rage and Review. That's going to do it for this episode of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. Podcast.